there's a sweet spirit here. And, and of course, you could be seated. Thank you for standing. We're going to get right into our lesson and going to use the overhead so that each of the scriptures will come up. We're going to look at, I'm calling it 10 principles of a right spirit. But what we're talking about is a godly attitude. That would be one way to describe it, to have a, a godly attitude. Another way the Bible refers to this is to be spiritual. In other words, what does it mean to be spiritual? Is your heart right? Well, then you're spiritual. There's something spiritual going on. So I want to t- talk about the 10 principles. Now, we all know that there are many, many principles. But I happen to notice that in my overall lesson that there were 10. And so that's what we're going to look at, 10 of those principles. And I, I've thought about it, whether they really are principles. And I think that we could say that they are principles. Or we could have said 10 aspects of a, of a right spirit. Now, some people think of when you say, do they have a bad spirit or a right spirit? They think of the opposite. They have a bad attitude. And we're not talking about whether someone's attitude is uh, nasty or something like that. that. That's another discussion. We're talking about principles that cause us to have a right spirit. Everybody say a right spirit. And our key verse is here in, in Psalm 51.10. So I'm going to have to move along because I have 10. I have more than 10 scriptures, but 10 principles that are based in 10 scriptures. And so the first one is Psalm 51.10. If you could read it with me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So the psalmist said, create in me a clean heart. And, of course, that's the the beginning point. We could say this is the 11th, but actually this is our text. We're looking at the whole business of how God creates in us a clean heart. And I love the way the translators have handled the Hebrew here. We could spend some time reviewing it, but let's let's just look at it again. Create in me a clean heart. Everyone say a clean heart. And so let's, let's think about it for a moment. We're not talking about, okay, Brother French is perfect, and so he's going to tell all of us, or Brother French has never made a mistake, no, or Brother French is this or that. It's not about whether I or any preacher or you or anyone is perfect. This is not about perfection. It is about godliness. It is about searching after godliness. And did you know that you could be okay but still not be in the will of God. How many knows that's possible? You could be okay and not really be doing what God wants you. You could be okay. In other words, you're, you're, heading to, you're on your way to heaven, but you're not doing what God wants you to do. He wants you to perhaps move forward or, or certainly to grow. And so, so we're beginning this process of the principles of a right spirit and renew a right spirit within me. And so the key is the word Renew. Everybody say renew. It has to be a constant renewal of a right spirit. Now that principle is going to come up, but but uh, since that's the stated uh, point in our very opening psalm, 
let's let's consider the importance of every single day coming before God and getting where God wants us to be. You can't say, well, on Monday through Saturday, I'll just live like a devil, and then I'll come to church on Sunday and everything will be better. It doesn't work that way. You have to renew before the presence of God. That's why every single day you come before the Lord, our Father which art in heaven. How many knows you have to pray every day? That's what I'm trying to say. You have to pray every day. Some folks... They fail. I know because we're all human. They fail to recognize the importance of daily renewing themselves in the presence of God. Not just in church. I love church. And, you know, we, Sister French and I went to California, and, and Sister French doesn't normally get to go along like that. That's quite a lengthy trip. And it was just so special to be with friends. We were in a church that preached some years ago. Now they're built a brand new building, seats about a little over a thousand. And just a beautiful place of worship. And they're filling it up, packing it out. People getting the Holy Ghost have two different buildings. And they have a special ministry church just right there in the old building and so on. So we enjoyed that. We had a good time. We saw the coast. Came up the the coast of California. And drove along the, the ocean there for several hours. And and uh, But guess what? When we started out, we, you know, we were in all that L.A. traffic, which... I could preach against that. I mean, it was unbelievable. But but we stopped and we 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 were driving. But let's let's pray right now. We'd get a need. We'd we'd see and, and realize something needed to be prayed. We'd start praying right there in the middle of the traffic, and just say, "Okay." Of course, I drove and I watched the road. Sister French wasn't driving, so she could close her eyes, and uh, and we could feel the presence of God. And we sought after the Lord even even on a daily basis. It didn't matter that we were enjoying the beauty of the coast of California. We were in the presence of God. We needed the presence of God. And so, so it is as true for all of us. There's no one in this building today that doesn't need to have created in them the heart the right heart, the right spirit that God wants to give us. And so it's, it's vital that we do so. Now, number one is what I'm going to call a godly attitude. Now, I want you to read with me 2 Corinthians 5 and 15. So this is number one. I know I have to pace myself. I don't have a lot of time. And that he died for all. Everyone say for all. All right, that's interesting, all right? And I'm going to point something out that's important in this scripture. And that he died for all, and uh, not and, that they which live, so he died. The contrast there is between him him dying and us living. In other words, he he died and then rose, and then we, we were dead spiritually, and then we became alive spiritually. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth, and notice I put there the ESV there, says no longer, that's exactly right, that they should not, they should no longer live unto what? Themselves, all right? There's the key. So the new life, the new living, the new godliness is that you're not just living for yourself. You are, or for themselves, it's in the plural. And of course he was talking, he's acting as though he's talking to a third party, but he's talking to the Corinthians. And he's doing it in the sense of a third of a third person. They and them, but he means you. He means me. That they should, which live, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. And so you notice here, and I'm doing this on purpose, that 
the word unto is in the ESV translated for. So if you don't, if you happen to like the ESV, then uh, then you that might uh, give credence to it. What I'm trying to show you is that there's a this scripture is purposely pointing us to these words. He died for us, and that we should not henceforth live for ourselves or unto ourselves. But I, I'm trying to show you that the, the fact that this is a dative of advantage, which means I shouldn't live just for my own advantage. Now that doesn't mean you don't feed your kids and make sure they got shoes on their feet and that you don't pay your bills and drive your own car. See, some people, the minute you say you don't live to your own advantage, they think you mean that you believe you should be a Poverty, wear a robe, and walk the streets homeless. And it hasn't got anything to do with that. It has everything to do with the attitude of the heart that you are to live by. Your heart is to live for God. You live unto him. Now notice here. Un, let's, where is it? But unto him. I knew I was going to do that. Okay, let's try it again. But unto him, see, I put that in there, it throws me off. But unto him which died. Then that has to be Jesus, obviously. And he rose again. So we're talking about God. But unto him which died for us. So we don't live unto ourselves, but unto to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we don't live, it's a dative of advantage. Now it could be, there are different possibilities for the dative, but it is quite clear that this is a dative of advantage. I don't live for my own advantage. In other words, I have money, so I don't just keep it and say, I'm not going to tithe. I'm not going to, this person has a need. I'm not giving them anything. I have people constantly acting like with the saints. Last year, I forget what it was. Some need came up and it was a personal thing. I'm not talking about the church. It was a personal thing. And someone said to me, that that was a sign of weakness to be giving to some dingbat that didn't deserve it, that was going to go drink it up in the, in the bar room somewhere. Which, of course, then made me a little bit wanting to say something. Just a little. So I said, well, I'm not an idiot. I know what they could do with it. But the point is they need this. What they do with it, perhaps they won't use it properly. But I'm not, the, we're not living just for ourselves and our own advantage. So you drop the money so I grab it. That's not the way we live. We live for God. Everybody say praise the Lord. So that's the first principle of a clean heart. If you can live unto God, and I don't, I don't mind saying unto God as long as you understand that it means for him. We live in, in the first, he, everyone say he died for us. He died for, everyone say for. That's why I'm insisting that you understand that it means for. We live for him. We live for him. He died for us. Now, let's think. Now, some of you think we're never going to get through this Bible study. It doesn't make any difference. I'm going to teach this. If we get to number 10, we get to number 10. Okay, so he died for me. What does that mean? 
Huper, Greek, the Greek is Huper. He died for me. That means that I was the one that was supposed to die. He died in my place. He died in my place. He didn't just think of himself. He thought of me. That's the point. And so now we live for him. We, he died for us. Now we live for him. Not just our own advantage. That's a dative of advantage. I guarantee you that. We live in order to bless and touch. And in other words, we live like Jesus lived. That's what we do. We live to be like Jesus lived. Now, 2 Corinthians 4, and I know I have to hurry. Some of you are like, we'll never possibly get to 10 and so on. You watch. All right, you just watch. We are going to get to 10. Here we go. For which cause we faint not. We're going back a chapter. But though our outward man perish, which is just the Greek word that means the external. In other words, visible man, we could say, the external man. And it would perish. Now, this word is a word that means to decay. The outward man is in the process of, let's say, are are you okay with this? It's in the process of aging and changing. It's the opposite of the spiritual man. And that's what's so beautiful about this scripture. While you as a person may be aging, you may even be ill. You may be so human, you think, you know, I can't seem to do anything for God. That's not true. Because it's not the outward man that is what's living for God. It is that inner man. It is the spirit of the man or woman that is living for God. And so our spirit takes control and says, I'm living for God. So the outward man perish, but the inward man is renewed, how? Day by day. Every single day. Now you say, well, wouldn't it be great? Now just think about it. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I, I, knew, when I, I, I knew we had to teach this. The outward man will get older and older and change. And then eventually, you know, it's going to be heaven. Here I come. Because that's the way it is. You can't change that. It's part of the earthly uh, reality. We could say the curse of sin and so on. But it, that's just the way it is. It decays and it is, it is deteriorating. But not the inward man. Now, someone says, yeah, yeah, but all the people I know are getting more and more sinful every day. Yes, that's because they're ungodly. But if you live a godly life, then every single day, it's like you're a brand new creature every single day. Someone said to me one time, I won't say what they did, but years ago I was dealing with a family and she came in and she said, oh, Brother French, I I did it, I, I, I did it, I did it, I did it. And I said, we'd been dealing with this and I'd won them and taught them a Bible study and they were just so fresh and new. And I said, now you listen to me. You get on your knees and you tell God. You repent and you get this right with God. And she started praying and talking in tongues. And afterwards, for, for I don't know how many years after that, she said, I couldn't believe that after doing what I did and failing God again, that I was able to break into the presence of God again 
and be, feel the presence of God. And God forgave me. How many are thankful for the forgiveness of the Spirit? Can we just lift our hands and thank God for a moment? Father, every day we thank you because we're like new babies every day. We become brand new creatures. And we praise you for it. So the outward perishes, but the inward is renewed every single day. So it's like, it really, here's what Paul is saying. Can I kind of do it that way here? I'm not trying to speak for him. I'm just explaining what he just said there. The outward may be decaying, but the inner is constantly brand new. The spirit that is in you can be created through repentance. And if you have a right, now listen to me. Some of you are going to misunderstand. Even the story I just told about someone that failed. Because some of us, oh, chop her head off. That's our attitude. The minute we hear she failed God, chop her head. Here's the, here's the part you're missing in the story. She cried out to God for a brand new heart. You say, well, she was a person. She should have known better. She had the Holy Ghost. She spoke in Yes, she was, but she's brand new. If you'd have known the life she came from, if you'd have known the kind of church years ago she'd been a part of, where all she did was go in and kind of do this and sprinkle a little water on herself and then walk out, that's all she ever knew about religion. And then she got, then she, yes, she failed. She didn't do the right thing, but she cried out to God. And it was as though she was brand new in the presence of the Lord. So a godly attitude is to live for God, not our own advantage. Now, let's go to Psalm 34 and verse 18. Brother French, if you could, well, it's right here. You could read it off the screen. I'm, my voice is kind of weak. And so on. Anyway, you know that. All right, so we're looking here at the relationship between renewal. Well, what I just talked about. The relationship between your failure and God's ability to renew you and bring you back into his, his purpose, or what I'm calling here deliverance. I'm calling it deliverance because he, the psalmist here refers to it as deliverance, here and here and here. This word is the word delivereth that the King James decided to go with that word. All right, so here we go. Psalm 34, uh, verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. Everybody say praise the Lord. So he's, he's watching, he knows what's going on. And his ears are open unto their what? Their cry. I'm glad it didn't say prayer. Although I would have understood if it had said prayer. But he said it is open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now I've had people tell me that they were watching garbage. You know like Hollywood garbage. And that that's a, I, I wasn't doing it. I was just watching it. I said, no, 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 no. What you are watching pours into your mind. Therefore, you must guard your mind against garbage and evil. You need to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. So you don't just say, oh, well, Hollywood made all that uh, stuff and it doesn't affect me. One guy told me, it doesn't affect me. I said, yeah, yeah, it does. It affects you. He said, well, how do you know? Because I'm talking to you right now. I can tell you. I can tell you it affected you. You mean you can tell? Yeah. I can tell right now that it affected you. You are affected by it. 
Well, how do you know? Well, because of right here, the way you're talking to me right now. That stuff you were just telling me about that doesn't affect you has got into your mind. And it is affecting your heart. And it had affected his, the way he was treating his wife. And that's why we were meeting. And I said, you had better not think you can treat that woman in a violent manner. And then tell me about it. And then I'm just going to, oh, oh, he's the preacher. He can tell me how he did this and that and the other thing. No, 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 no. No, don't you do that. What you've got to do is understand that your spirit is being affected by the things that you place in your heart. And you need to cry out to God. And thank God he did. So the face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Hmm. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Let's read verse 17 together. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Praise God. I love that. The Lord is nigh. Now, here's our main scripture. The Lord is nigh unto them. And, and are we, I, I'm going to lose track of what we're on, but I think this is our second main scripture. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a what? Broken heart. If you are broken hearted. Now, let me tell you what this is talking about. It's talking about your attitude toward unrighteousness. If you look around and realize, oh, oh, I sinned, oh, help me, God. That is the attitude that God is looking for. You understand the need for repentance. Your need to cry out to God. The Lord is nigh to them that are what? Of a broken heart. And saveth such as be of a what? A contrite spirit. Now the, the Hebrew word here, and you, you can check it out, but I'm just telling you. The Hebrew word here means to To crush it. That's what the Hebrew word is. Doesn't mean something else. Now the word contrite's great and wonderful, but I'm telling you the Hebrew word is a heart that has been crushed like that. When God sees that your heart is responding to sin in such a way that you are broken before him, then everything changes. Everything changes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. When you have a broken heart, this, doesn't, this is not talking about Valentine's Day. I know what some of you are thinking. Oh, I got a broken heart. He's not talking about that. Not that kind of broken heart. That's, that's symbolic of something else. This is talking about the, the crushing of your spirit so that you come before God. And that's why you, uh, uh, listen, listen to me. A person that cannot pray and will not pray is arrogant and will not get into the presence of God. You may own 50,000 homes. You may own the biggest business in America. You may fly the biggest airplanes known to man, but you will not be in the presence of God 
Because that spirit is an ungodly spirit. A spirit that says, I don't need to pray. Pray, God doesn't hear. And you know what these people do? They invent these things like, oh, there's no God. I don't even know if there is a God. I don't know if there is a God. They're doing that so they don't have to bow their knee in prayer. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. All right, so a right spirit is a spirit that brings deliverance. Now, let's go to the New Testament. I hate it that my voice is so raspy, but, but it's just the way it is. Developing now, let's say, a spiritual mind or a spiritual attitude. I don't know what number this is, so I'll just say here's the next one. And what we Galatians refers to as the, see right here, the, oops, the fruit of the Spirit, all right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and then you notice this one with one, two, three, four uh, asterisks there, faith, Number eight, meekness, and number nine, temperance. Or the NIV says love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There are people that no matter what you do, they will not be faithful. They won't be faithful. They're looking for a way because they have a heart that will not repent. So what they're doing is they're finding a way to hide something and, and to sneak around. They will not be faithful. They, will, they have no de- intentions of having the fruit of the Spirit in, in that area. Now, some people can find some of the fruit, but they are not able to develop spiritual fruit in their lives in all of these areas. But it is... Perhaps the most important thing that you will ever do. I know you want to see people healed and blind eyes open. You want to see people shouting across the front. Some people, that's all they measure things by is how, whether somebody's shouting or jerking, they, that's spiritual. But they don't see the lack of love and faithfulness in their own heart because they're judging by a sinful judgment. So the most important thing, even more than shouting, although I think shouting is marvelous and ought to take place. And there are people here today that need to shout before the Lord. They need to lift their hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Yes, sir, they do. But they also need to develop the fruit of the Spirit in their life when nobody's looking. Yeah. See, some people come to church, oh, yes, hey, pastor. Then they treat their wife or their husband like, well, what's the common word today? Dirt? Has he ever heard that one? I don't know how you treat dirt, but if however you treat dirt. Well, I guess it means you, you know, you wash it off and you get rid of it. I, I, you know, I mean, I get the idea. You treat people poorly. You, you act as though you're just really sweet, but you're not really sweet. Now, I don't want you to come and act bad at church. I'm just telling you, the the Spirit wants it to be that you're a whole person, that what you are in the house of God, you can become in all of your life because you are developing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Okay, so that's that one. Now, let's go to Matthew 5. Jesus said, 
And this is what I'm called, calling how to treat others. In other words, when, when you are, have a right spirit, for example, let me use a word. Some of you are going to, if you faint, are the ushers ready? Are you ready back there? If anybody faints, do we have oxygen? No? We have no oxygen. Do we have like any little candies we could put under their tongue, something? Okay. All right, I'm going to say it. Some of you may faint, all right? Some of you may gossip. Now breathe in and breathe out. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Some of you may gossip, say things about other people. And you know, the worst thing about gossip is the way you weave a lie into that. A little bit of a lie. Of course, see, a lie only works if it's got some truth around it. So you, you make the lie out of the truth. Otherwise, nobody would ever believe it. So you, you tell it in a way that you know you're trying to convince them to not do the right thing. Do you know that there may be, you, you know that, <laughs> oh, hallelujah. You know, I, I, I'm just, we may have to get oxygen. You know what? If we have to, let's send out, maybe we could stop an ambulance or something, whatever we got to do. All right. Jesus even said you're supposed to love your enemies. On the day we celebrate the Martin Luther King Jr. Day, I didn't get to preach because we shouted and had a great time and, and the preaching was just wasn't enough time to preach. But I had most marvelous sermon of Dr. King my favorite, one of my, I, I always say that. Uh, I could say that about probably 12 of his sermons, but one of my absolute favorite sermons of Dr. King, which is love your enemies. I was going to preach that that morning. I didn't get a chance to preach it. So I've been preaching it ever since then. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, love your enemies. And if any man could preach such a sermon, and if you ever have an opportunity to read it, you should read every word of it. Don't let someone cut half of it out. You read the entire sermon. And then, of course, my other really, really favorites are what they call his, uh, his letters from jail. Those are worth, if you could write them in gold letters, they'd be worth it. So Jesus said, and, and this is the text Martin Luther King used in that sermon. Love, everyone say it with me. Love your enemies. All right, there it is. I'm saying it slow because I don't want to have, we don't have oxygen. I'm trying to make it so we can get through this. Love your enemies. Some people say, oh, I love them. I just can't stand them. Okay, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. This is a spiritual, this is a right heart. Now, is it easy? No, I don't, I don't think that's easy. And will you do it perfectly? And will you do it in the right way? Probably you'll struggle with that. Bless them that curse you. In fact, Dr. King's sermon is one of the best I've ever heard to explain how loving your enemy is almost impossible. And that's why it's so important that you do it. And it's marvelous. This, I mean, incredible. Do good to them that like you do good to them that 
pay your bills for you and help you out. And See, anybody, Peter said, anybody can do that. Someone's constantly giving you 100 bucks and you're nice to them. Well, anybody can do that. How about loving a person that's not loving you back? That's love. Jesus said you love your enemies, you do good to them that hate you, and you pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So in other words, you pray for those that are against you. You pray for your enemies. He's what he's referring to here. Everyone said amen. So that's how you treat people. People do you wrong. Doesn't mean you go around saying, oh, I don't have a problem in the world. That's not what it's saying. In saying that you pretend things aren't hard, it's telling you that you pray for their, they're despitefully using me. Yes, I know, but I'm not going to be like them. I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm not living for them. I'm living for God. I'm going to, I want to be like Jesus. Everybody say, praise the Lord. I want to be like Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness. Okay. Here we go. Number next one. I don't know the numbers. And, and uh, let's look at the story of the Good Samaritan or what we could call the golden rule. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do unto you. We're talking about a right spirit. Whatever you would that men should do unto you, do ye even so to them. This is Matthew 7, of course, but it's been referred to as, as the golden rule. It is, in fact, the most famous of Christian teachings in all the world. And yet, of course, they're doing surveys recently to young people to see if they've ever heard of Noah or Moses. Now, no, they don't know who Noah is. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do unto you, do ye even so to them. We could spend time explaining the golden rule, but it is, is of course, an important aspect of a, of a right spirit. Everyone said amen. All right, I've only got a few more moments here. Now we're looking at Philippians 4, 7. The peace of God, everyone say the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. Now, I didn't have to do this. I think passeth is good enough, but I put the Greek here. So the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, is a way, another way of saying it would be, it goes, the peace that God gives goes beyond or exceeds anything you could imagine. So you, you think things would be a certain way, but when you're living for God, the peace that he gives you goes beyond, it exceeds or passeth, uh, yeah, passeth, the King James says, it, it goes beyond anything you could ever imagine or understand about it. So, and it shall keep, here we go, now we're jumping over here. It shall keep your hearts and minds. And here we have the Greek word for the word keep, which means it will, just like, it, it, like a soldier guards a sentinel. That's how it keeps our hearts and minds. Could we stand together? I hate this. I don't want to stop, but I, I don't want to run over time. The song says, peace, peace. 
wonderful peace. You know, the best way to have peace is to ask God for it. Say, Lord, I need, I need peace. I need your help. And God's going to give it to us. Could we just lift our hands and let's thank God for, for his wonderful peace and his strength in our lives. Lord, we thank you today because you can give us a right spirit. You can help us to face difficulties and even, even Satan himself. Lord, if we could be like you, we thank you, Lord, and we praise you, God. Praise God. And so he gives us peace that passes all understanding. He gives us a spiritual mind. If we acknowledge him, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. And then he, give, he fills our heart with goodness. I'm trying to get to the very last one. And then Jesus said this, number 10, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly. And that's why I put the Greek down here. I am humble, in other words, in heart. Notice this keeps coming up. This is what he does. He gives us a, a, a right spirit. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. So when we commit ourselves to be like the Lord. Do you remember the old chorus? Um, we can sing it a cappella. I don't know. Folks should be joining us here in a moment. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. Coming down from the Father above.